What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs. Today is Monday, November 1st, 2021. And on today's episode of Locked On Dolphins, we review uh, the Dolphins' latest contest, a loss to the Buffalo Bills in Week 8 of the 2021 regular season, and where this football team goes from here, and why I, as I'm sure so many of you are, are tired. Let's get after it today. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com. Definitely took a little extra time to record this podcast today. I usually have post-game stuff up before Sunday night football. Let's just call it before Sunday night football. And I always appreciate everybody who makes Locked On Dolphins, of course, uh, their first Dolphins listen of the day. That effort is not lost on me, so thank you. And if my timeliness of today's podcast is an inconvenience to you, I sincerely apologize. But I need a little extra time <laughs> because this is what the Dolphins do, man, right? Like you have zero expectations going into the week. You know, Buffalo's beat you six straight times. You know, Brian Flores never beat the Bills. The Bills are coming off the bye. They're at home. You're going to get crushed, right? Well, no, you don't get crushed. You go and play a really inspired half of football, and defensively, you gave a very admirable effort in this football game. I have a lot of respect for the effort that the defense put forward for the vast majority of the game until we got to the final two drives for Buffalo offensively in crunch time, and you forget how to cover Cole Beasley. But it's all the little stuff that they did along the way that you're like, hey, man, we're going to give them a game. Hey, man, we should be winning the game. Hey, we could win the game. No, we didn't win the game. And it's the fact that the Dolphins continue to make the same mistakes week over week over week over week that is just so demoralizing for me to watch the team and find enthusiasm points to get excited about beyond individual player performances and skill sets. How many times I sent the tweet on October 17th that was effectively in the lungs of count the number, start counting the number of times the Dolphins break the huddle and the receivers start lining up in the wrong direction. That idiot fumble that we had down in the red zone to close the first half? It's because guys are lined up wrong. And then you try and get it right, and then the center's got to snap the ball because the the play clock's down. And Mike Gusecki is in motion at the snap, being somewhere he's not supposed to be because guys aren't getting lined up right. Mike has a illegal shift, effectively, or illegal shift, because he's freaking out at the snap 
because guys are not in the right spot later in the game. It's inexcusable. And at some point, you as an offensive coaching staff have to look at our players are struggling with X. And if it's everybody, then it's probably time you stop assuming that a guy just needs to study the playbook harder and start asking yourself why the team struggles with this concept and change how you present the information and ultimately water down what you're asking. Which in itself is fairly demoralizing because Miami does not have one of the most exotic offensive systems in football. In a lot of cases, I would suggest it's quite elementary. And I'm sure the pre-snap stuff with the motion against Buffalo, it's it's designed to, to give you some pre-snap indicators and tells and, and try and manufacture some matchups. And I get all that. But we've watched literally for the first half of the season, this team break the huddle and wide receivers are routinely going to the wrong place and lining up in the wrong spot. It's coaching. And if you haven't changed it and you haven't adjusted your approach for eight weeks, like what, are we just magically going to roll out of bed tomorrow morning and go to practice and the light bulb, somebody's going to flip a light switch? Aha, it all makes sense now. No. And because we're having the conversation, let's at least acknowledge Tua Tagovailoa too. I know that's what a lot of you want to hear my thoughts and opinions on. Uh, I would have given him probably like a B plus in each of the last two weeks. This was probably a C minus performance in my evaluation and in my assessment of Tua Tagovailoa. And some of that is like the pre snap stuff. You're the quarterback. You do need to be cognitive of where your guys are at and get them lined up correctly. Listen to any former NFL quarterback that's doing film breakdown. Jordan Palmer had the best example of play calls in the huddle, breaking the huddle, getting guys out of the huddle, making sure everybody's lined up correctly, working through your pre-snap indicators for the defense, executing any motions, and that's all on the the pre-snap. And by the time you break the huddle, a lot of times you've got like 25 seconds to do all that. It's a lot of information to process, and I'm sure with an aggressive, blitz-heavy team like Buffalo, Tua wanted to get up and see as much of the line of scrimmage as he possibly can, but you are ultimately responsible as the quarter. The tight end should not be telling guys where to line up. You got to break the huddle. You got to know what it's supposed to look like before any shifts or motions. And it is you are the quarterback of the offense. You are the alpha and the omega when you are out there. You ultimately have to, to bear some of the responsibility for guys not getting lined up. It's your job to make sure they're in the right spot. And that whether that's fair or not, that that's the quarterback position. And that part of Tua's weekend against Buffalo was clearly problematic because he wasn't the one who was correcting these guys. 
and we got bit with some illegal shifts. We got bit in the red zone with a turnover right before half, which took all the wind out of the sails. Everybody knew at that point, oh, well, the wheels are off the bus now. Kind of stinks. Today, I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand all your favorites together like never before, which means you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. The other dynamic of Tua's play that I thought was modest, underwhelming, if you will, it was all of the areas that he had success as a passer the last two weeks that went up and spoke. Beyond 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. Let's count them up. I got the passing chart up here. Beyond 10 yards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine passing attempts beyond 10 yards. He was three of nine with the interception. Did have the big play to Mike Gusecki down the field. But he had 39 passing attempts for 205 yards. Very, very congested within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, and, and some of that's getting the ball out of your hand fast, right? And I understand that, and I appreciate that. And there were a couple of these throws that he slotted where I said, how in the hell did he put that ball to Devontae or Mike? And it's like, holy shit, the accuracy here, that, that's a dart. He was throwing darts in, in the short areas of the field because he had to. But I think this further amplifies that the Bills played the Dolphins the same way. Uber aggressive, and they said, we're going to blitz you until you beat the blitz. And you could argue that they, that Tua beat it on the fourth down play. Uh, but other than that, it was a lot of prompted and forced checkdowns. We're going to make tackles in space, and they did make tackles in space. But this is just how many passing attempts do we have within five yards of the line of scrimmage? Beyond or behind the line of scrimmage or beyond to five yards? So behind or to five yards? You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Seventeen passing attempts. Almost half of your passing attempts are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Three of nine beyond ten yards. I get it. Offensive line's problematic. I understand. There were a couple opportunities where he did set up in some nice pockets and had some time. I understand it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy with the offensive line. But I can also tell you that Buffalo said, hey, we don't think you're going to be able to drive the ball, hold the ball, get bared down against pressure, and then drive the ball into anything other than the short areas of the field in which we're just going to squat on and tee off on your guys. And they were right. Need to need to go back and watch the All-22 to see you know what potential opportunities there were for throws that either pressure took away or 
to it in C. But from a performance perspective, I respect that he kept him in the game. I respect the, the fourth down drive to go down and, and score points and the fourth down play with Mike. And my, I think Mike really summed it up pretty well, right? Like this is a, a relentless personality at the quarterback position. He's going to keep coming back. He's been through so much adversity before that like, adversity on the football field is just kind of whatever. But this was not a hallmark performance, in my opinion, for Tua. Um, offensive restrictions, I'm acknowledging them. Offensive line restrictions, acknowledging them. I think they averaged less than three yards per carry trying to run the ball. That was a big point of emphasis for them. Pfft, okay. I get all that. What I don't get, however, is the comments that we got from Xavier Howard after the game, which just about made my mind melt. The quote, or uh, the tweet comes from Marcel Louis Jacquez of ESPN. Xavier Howard praised the Dolphins' defensive play calling, said they got back to what they were doing last season as far as the coverages they played against Buffalo. What? Let me tell you, you got all the same corners back, plus Justin Coleman, who spent forever for his NFL career in Patriot-style defenses. You got all the same corners back, and it takes you to week eight to start calling the coverages that you called last year? What? Anytime you cannot do the thing that helped make you successful from the year prior for the first half of the season, you got to do it. And I, I wish I could explain what the thought process was here because I know Joe Rose in the dance at 70 wants to know where that went. And I'm trying to justify it by like, well, they got young guys in Javon Holland in key spots and Phillips in key spots. But I really don't know that that's it anymore because like they flipped the switch against Jacksonville and they played it against Jacksonville. And then from a coverage perspective, they just decide to do it against Buffalo and they hold Buffalo to three points in the first half. What are we doing? Like legitimately, what are we doing? You're not calling coverages the same way that you did last year when it was literally what helped give your defense an identity and become a successful defense. Your offensive efforts, you come out every single week, and guys don't know where to line up. They can't block. They're still screwing up when linebackers are mugged up in gaps, and nobody seems to understand the squeeze concept. Tell Rob Hunt on the screenplay, lets a guy run right past him on the inside. I don't know if it's Rob's fault, or I don't know if it's Jesse Davis's fault. Because Rob appears to be thinking that he's got to help inside for a twist or a stunt or a delay, so he doesn't occupy the guy on his outside gap. And Jesse Davis never even looks inside. So I don't know if it's Rob. I don't know if it's Jesse. I know everybody loves to bag on Jesse. I'm not going to give him any unfair or unneeded criticism or sit here and say that it's his fault. But, like, how are we still having these kinds of offensive line miscommunications 
halfway through the season. How do we continue to have guys like Devontae Parker make a massive impact on the first quarter of the contest and then just up and smoke, just disappears, never to be heard from again? How do we not throw the football Mike Gusecki's way, like, at all for the first half of this football game? It's the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And if you're looking for inspiration for how this Dolphins regime, and I'm, I'm not totally there yet. I can tell you I'm going to be advocating for offensive an offensive system change this offseason no matter what. I'm not advocating for Brian Flores to not return as the head coach of the, the Miami Dolphins in 2022 just yet, but I am getting alarmingly close. Because these issues for this team that we see on game day are all coaching and player development related. You know, Chris Greer is going to wear the L for the 2020 draft being what it is. And that is what it is. But I have a hard time feel, believing that Miami didn't make the selection of Hunter Long without some input from Brian Flores as the coach who doesn't play Mike Gusecki more than two-thirds of the snaps and is insistent on playing Durham Smythe because he wants to get a guy who could play with his hand in the dirt. So they draft him in the third round when you could have potentially drafted a running back like Trey Sermon or whatever else, and that's neither here nor there at this point. It's water under the bridge. But then Hunter continues to not dress every single week. So it's like, okay, we flex to go get a tight end, and now we're not even going to use him. Why? And if it's based off of what I've seen from everybody else who's trying to run this offense, I have to imagine that that consistency with, with executing any given rep is a problem, and that's why you see guys like Durham Smythe continue to take reps. right? Miami's got way too many guys that play because they're smart. They don't need more guys who are smart. They need guys that are good at football. And it's up to you as a coaching staff to simply ask them to do things so that they can go out, execute, and play fast. Being smart is not an identity for a team, especially when you don't even play smart. Reminds me when the Patriots drafted Jordan Richards, safety out of Stanford, the second round. And he was like a consensus fifth-round prospect. Went in the second round. Why? Because he went to Stanford, plays a position in need, super smart. But is he good at football? And I'm not saying Hunter Long, in this specific example, isn't good at football, because I think he is. I had him evaluated as a top 100 prospect this past year. But the guys who are playing because they're smart... Well, I would rather have a dumbed-down offensive system and help guys learn what they're supposed to do faster so you can get your most talented players out on the field with more frequency. That's how I'd be pushing for it to work out. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They're 100% chocolate 
on all of their bars, and they are 100% delicious, believe you me. Right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. We are back and better than ever. Not talking about the Dolphins. I'm talking about our friends over at Bet Online, with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for the f- basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. Basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. It is where the game starts. Speaking of the game, I've had this trip booked since July 1st, 2021. It is still happening. The Dolphins are going to play the Houston Texans this weekend at Hard Rock Stadium. They're First of two games in a five-day stretch. I'm going to be in Miami for both of them. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is I do have an extra ticket to the Houston game. And I've decided how I want to decide who is going to sit with me and watch the game, right? Because watching the Dolphins play right now can be tough, but I figure... If we go in with an open mind and an evaluation mindset, you're going to have a chance to sit down with a Locked On Dolphins listener and watch them play the Texans and evaluate this team in real time in person and hopefully have a little bit of fun. But you got to win. And here's what we're going to do. So for those of you who are familiar with my entire background, I am the director of scouting over at the draftnetwork.com. And I think it's safe to say with the Dolphins at 1-7, and seven, we're probably in an off-season state of mind, eager to get to the off-season, eager to bring some new bodies in, flush some old bodies out, and start this damn thing over. Unplug the or pull out the cartridge, blow it, and plug it back in and see, see if it works any better next time. If you visit the draftnetwork.com, there is a tab at the top of the page. It says Mock Drafts. And if you put your mouse over that Mock Drafts tab, there's a gold button that says Start a Mock Draft. I would like you to do a seven-round Mock Draft for the Miami Dolphins. And in the sake of fairness... I'm going to say no trades. If you TDM premium, you have an opportunity to to make trades in the mock draft simulator. I don't want to put anybody in a position in which they feel like they're going to have to pay money to best represent their mock draft. So, in the name of fairness, no trades in your seven-round mock draft. But go to thedraftnetwork.com backslash mock dash draft dash machine. Select the Dolphins. Seven round mock draft. You make the picks. 
you send me a screenshot of your seven-round mock draft, and whomstever wins, and we will decide by Friday, is going to get the chance to sit and watch the Texans-Dolphins game at Hard Rock Stadium with me. We could break down this team together, which I'm very excited for. So hopefully a little bit of excitement amidst the midseason doldrums. And, of course, we have the trade deadline tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes for us. Keep your chins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Talk with you guys again tomorrow. Make it a great Monday. Fins up.